Hello there, welcome to Wildfire Drive. It's lovely to have you joining us today. My name is Sean. And my name is Kylie and we are in the flow. We are going to be shooting the breeze today. Shooting the breeze as in just discussing things as we normally would. We're a married couple. Kylie, you've been fortunate for you. You've been married to me for nearly 30 years. (laughs) I'm a lucky lady. So for nearly 30 years, we have been married and done life together. We've worked together live together obviously done everything together we still are doing that and we fight and argue we don't really fight I suppose we don't really fight like punch on no no punching on (laughs) but we have also over the years gradually moved towards probably conversing in a more healthy fashion than we ever used to and we talk a lot and we dissect and process thoughts and all of those things probably more now than we ever have before definitely it's beautiful you know that space where you're able to flesh things out there's so many times we don't necessarily agree on things and it's interesting honing our conversation in the way that we're really learning to take on board what the other person is thinking also just knowing as we're in conversation with one another that often we're just verbally processing our thoughts and we're not necessarily looking for answers from the other person or even having a point of view that we're saying, this is what I believe and you're supposed to believe the same. Now, what I am processing at the moment is why is that dog decided to start barking in the background? It's funny, we, we produce this podcast, probably different to a lot of people. A lot of people do things in the silence of a studio or with their padded rooms and their soundproofed areas so that it all sounds dead and it's just voice stuff. But we go out of our way to have our little microphones in places where we're out and about and we're doing life in amongst all the rest of existence. And for some reason right now today, instead of having birds in the background like we quite often do. We have powerful. Dog. <laughs> Farful. <laughs> Farful! <laughs> so Farful, we call all dogs that bark uncontrollably Farful from the Seinfeld episode where the man on the aeroplane that has the heart attack when Jerry's sitting next to him. Listen to these dogs. <laughs> Jerry takes home a man's dog and who uh, the man who he has never met before and looks after the dog until the man arrives and the dog's name is Farful and the dog just barks and barks and barks. So whenever we hear dogs barking a lot in the background, we scream out, Farful! <laughs> oh, here we go. Now we've got Farful's uh, howling. <laughs> that is so funny. We do have a lot of dogs next door to us. That's why you will find us at most times recording our podcast in the serenity of the bird song by the river. <laughs> so welcome to Wildfire Tribe where it is wild, where there is wild animals roaming not far from us, barking and howling. Welcome to the discussion, the shooting the breeze, which is really just Kylie and Sean's life of doing life together and discussing the mysteries of God and whatever it is that we're processing at the moment. And we've been away, we've been to visit some friends and some people that we love being around. We love enjoying each other's company and discussing life and the future of our expanded beliefs. Uh, We're not people who like to just 
think that we know it all, that we have everything worked out. We are definitely on the path to discovering the more of God and the more of his mysteries and, and also just believing that all things are possible as in all things. So if all things are possible, then there is so many things that we just know nothing about. Yeah, it's so true. And I think it's just beautiful as we're realizing more and more that coming out from each one of us as individuals is a whole bunch of different timelines that we can choose to jump on board with, that we can choose to be our new now and that we're creating these spaces. And within that, we're engaging with people and joy and abundance and the frequencies of life. It's just been really awesome just being out the last week and engaging with a whole bunch of different people, some people in a work capacity and other people just because we love connecting with some of our friends all over the place. And We do, I guess we do roam amongst different categories of people or people who sort of when you say we're around work in a work environment we're around people that are digging holes and doing construction and that type of thing and then the next minute or the next night or the next day you're spending time with people who are really in the discussion of mysticism and things like that you know we really have a very varied experience in life you know we also it reminds me you know, we went away the other week and we did a night of comedy at a competition for stand-up comedians. So there's lots of things that we're involved in doing and we're able to come and go and jump in and out of conversations and experience the fullness of life that is on offer for us. So as we've been away with our mystical type friends who are up for the discussion of church and not church and religion and what is God doing? What is he going to do? The end of the world, angels, whatever the discussions are that just come up, that's what this episode is about, is just going with the flow of discussion of what it is like to be amongst people that just love discussing those things. So first of all, today we have been talking recently about what it's like to be in a church environment and be a volunteer and versus a person who's an employed person in a church. So how that works why that is structured the way that it is, how it is okay that a person running a church, a pastor or a reverend or a minister and all of those varied titles, why is it okay that those people get paid in a church environment and everything else that goes on within the organization of a church requires many, many, many thousands of hours of voluntary manpower? And where is the line? And why is it okay for people that are not being employed by a church to be expected to volunteer many hours on top of the jobs that they already have. How does that all work? Why is that acceptable somehow? And is there more godliness attached to giving your time to things that you believe God's asking you to do without receiving any money in return? Are we more holy for doing that? Are we more set apart? And is there this space in which we we feel like, oh, if we don't charge for our services, is it more godly to be in need? So churches are also functioning like the rest of the world with money coming in and out of their bank accounts, they have bills to pay, etc. So it seems like there is a well, there is a much larger percentage of people in a church environment that are expected to give and to serve than the people that are actually making money being employed by the church because they have all of these bills to be paid so somebody needs to give all that money. Yet we've been in business a lot well, our entire lives. We've mostly actually been self-employed and 
and employed others. And we were talking before how it would seem to be absolutely ludicrous to be in any business that we've ever had and expect people to work for us for free. I'm highly uncomfortable with that. And even when we were first deciding how are we setting up Wildfire Tribe, are we setting this up as a not-for-profit? Are we? Is it a ministry? Is it a business? How are we functioning the world and what are we even doing with it as this beautiful media and creative arts hub? Like what does that look like? And I think right from the start, I just am highly uncomfortable with an expectation that people would be a part of what we're doing and we wouldn't give them anything in return. Well, you sometimes get something, Kylie. You occasionally get invited up onto the stage if you're presentable enough and you've done enough of the right things or if it's volunteer recognition day of the year. You know how they have those in church environments that we've been in where once a year they'll scrape all those volunteers together and cook them up a feed and tell them how much they're appreciated. It's true. There's those sorts of things that happen in the churches that we've been in. Yeah. And we just like to speak about our experience. We can't speak about churches and what's going on in them that we have not been involved in. That's what happens in the ones that we have been involved in. We know that in the churches that we've been attending, that there is businesses attached to those churches, that they sell secondhand clothing, etc., that is given to them. They have what they call food banks. So if you are a person who finds yourself in a position where you're unable to shop at a regular supermarket, the church has all of these smaller type supermarkets where they sell discounted food to you to help you out. Uh, We're a little bit skeptical as to some of the prices uh, and also the fact that the people working in those places are volunteers, so they're not getting paid. So the church is completely able to sell goods at a reduced price anyway, because they don't have the pressures that regular supermarkets and shops already have. It's interesting. And you know, this isn't just a church thing. Like there are lots of different organisations that function predominantly on volunteers. And I'm not saying volunteering in itself is a bad thing. Like I think it's great that there's often things that lots of people can do and be a part of. We visited a lot of op shops in the last few days so in Australia we call them opportunity shops or op shops and they're places that you go where clothes and furniture etc has been donated to the organization and you get an opportunity to purchase it at a reduced price and a lot of those places that we love going to it's like an adventure hunt they're not run by churches and a lot of them are yeah this is not necessarily just a church focused conversation it's a conversation about volunteers about how it is that the world functions with volunteers, or probably more so just how it is in Australia because that's where we live. I don't know if it's like that in the country that you're listening to us from because we have people listening to us from all over the world, don't we, Kylie? Yeah, we do. Yes, welcome everybody that's listening in Russia and everybody that's listening across Europe in the UK and our beautiful friends over there in the USA. So there does seem to be within a healthy community, within a healthy country, within a healthy functioning uh, society, there is need for people to volunteer their services just to keep things rolling. Yeah, definitely. In our town where we are, there's people that I see regularly walking around picking up rubbish and they're not employed. They're not actually doing that under the banner of another group. It's just people that take it upon themselves to do things like that. So that could be seen to be volunteering your services. But in an organisation where it does function in a capacity where it has money coming into it and people who are running that 
organization are getting paid how does it work that people who work within that organization don't get paid so what is it about where's the separation where's what, the line why are you so passionate about this conversation I'm not passionate about it, I don't think. Because I think the thing that we have discovered, and even just in, say, let's just talk about doing a few op shops. If we go to the St. Vincent de Paul op shop, and then you might go to the local Pentecostal church op shop, and then you might go to the RSPCA op shop, and then you might go to the helicopter rescue op shop. The Saving Our Children, the Salvation Army, the Anglican church one, there's plenty of them. There's heaps and heaps, and that's awesome. It's really great. It's almost like there has been like a morphing into this space of like, well, what is the op shop for? Is it generating income for the organization or is it providing an opportunity for people to buy clothes that are at an affordable price? Or is it a mixture of both? Because we have found op shops have got really expensive. And when you don't have very much money to spend, then it's still quite difficult to be able to go in and get a bag of clothes for not very much money. So yeah, these are all interesting questions. But I think outside of that, like you were just about to say then about the no separation, that's the part that gets me. It's like, okay, if we keep coming back to this beautiful place where there's no separation between us and anyone else, we're not putting anybody into any kind of categories about, well, this is the holy work of God, or this isn't the holy work of God, because there's no separation. So we're we are, we're in oneness with those that are connected to us. And of course, we have things in common with these people over here, maybe more so than those people over there. But that doesn't mean that we're not connected with all of these different people. And I think where we've kind of got to is like finding this place where we're not so serious about everything. Why so serious? Like, why are we so serious? What is all this serious stuff, the serious work of expanding the kingdom of God? Like, what is that? Why can't we just have fun in the middle of it all and appreciate and love people wherever they are on their journey? Bring more humor into stuff. Kylie, life is not about fun. How do you expect to get things done if you're just having fun all of the time? Isn't fun like doing nothing? Because we need to keep challenging one another in this space of like, have we just created another denomination? Have we just created another organization? Have we just created another space of separation that's saying us over here that know all of these things and you guys over there that don't have any idea? Isn't there this beautiful melting pot in the middle where we can just appreciate and love one another wherever we are in the journey? Well, no, Kylie, because there's rules within denominations, you know, and organizations. You have to have rules and structure or else things can be chaotic and out of control. I feel like we're coming into this beautiful flow state. It's this heart coherence that we have with one another, with the earth, with all of creation, this space where we step outside and we put our feet on the ground and everything just becomes enlightened. And not enlightened like, oh my gosh, I have all of this knowing now that I'm so much more wiser than all of you people around there that have no clue, but just that 
our life can be this experiential adventure into the mysteries and the wonder that is constantly ours to engage with. If we just choose to not get caught up in the detail of things that don't even matter and we get to just enjoy the adventure of living our lives. Yes, on earth as it is in heaven. (laughs) I have this distinct feeling that heaven as we grew up knowing it as you know some place in the sky that's a long long way from where we are that we go to when the torture of death hits us on earth that we get to go to and enjoy and everything is free and you can fly and you can do anything that you imagine that you can do i don't feel like jesus's version of on earth as it is in heaven has anything to do with the idea that when you're on earth that you're not allowed to have fun that you're not allowed to dream big that you're you know that there's some separation between heaven of your childhood thinking and earth but is it not possible that they're supposed to be blended together so that we are functioning in heavenly realities as we are also living on earth absolutely and we are that blended reality place we're this crossing over space where all that is and all that was and all that is to come is in this beautiful melting pot of wonder and joy like the fruits of the spirit engaging in that place where the flow of life begins and ends so in that case then all of those things that you imagine be true about heaven when you get there one day can happen right now yes so then why are we so serious kylie exactly and i think that's kind of where we're getting it's not like we why do you get paid for doing god's work but i don't exactly See, why are we even caught in that dialogue? Why does it even matter whether some people want to get paid and other people don't want to get paid? It matters when we see the desires of people's hearts really wanting to come into some kind of flow, but they're stifled by perhaps wrong belief systems, by this frequency of lack that seems to sit on people that have spent any time walking in a place of the faith journey or any of those things where you've got to continually come into this place of laying everything aside and and it's not like we're not immune to that it's not like we haven't walked out these times of believing that our that's why we get to talk about it kylie exactly because we're qualified in places of experience exactly we're not speaking from a place of never having done the faith journey we've lived the faith journey for a long long time exactly and that includes periods of time where you're expecting that money will fall out of heaven straight into your bank account and it has and it does but yet again you know for people that that have walked a faith existence at times when they feel like that's what God has for them, as in, you know, the living by faith thing uh, where you don't have regular jobs, but maybe you're doing ministry type stuff, or maybe you're actually just volunteering all of the time, like what we've been talking about, and believing that somehow your bills are going to be paid, your electricity bill, your phone bill, all of those things. You're always going to have food in your cupboard because you're volunteering your time for something that is good, yet you're not getting paid, yet you're believing that everything is going to be taken care of. We've also lived 
in those spaces. We know people that are doing that right now. We know people that have done a bit of both and we've done we've done a bit of both as well. So we're well qualified to talk about living by faith or not and what an experience of working out your understanding of your relationship with God is about in those spaces as well. What is the difference between going to a job and getting paid for your, your, the work and the time that you put in, living in that place of fullness all the time because we're not separated from him anywhere we go, just enjoying the workplace and enjoying the people that we're around and whatever it happens to be. And what's the difference between that and putting all of your time into something for free and saying to God, well, you need to pay me because I'm doing your work. Because one of them is working for God and the other one is just working for the world. But there's no separation. So why is one working for God and one working for the world? I am not saying that that is what I believe. Yeah. I'm saying that I think that that's what some people believe. Exactly. That, and so then that comes back to your understanding of your relationship with the creator of the world, who we call God or, you know, people call the creator of the world many things. Some people refer to God as the universe. Uh, so, they, you know, these are all part of discussions we have had in the past as to what you call God as well. And it doesn't matter to me one little scrap what you call him, but I am aware of the fact that if you feel like you need to volunteer your time to a church around the clock and you're expecting that money will come into your account because of that, that you don't need to actually get paid, that that is also a part of your understanding of who God is in your life. So do you work for God Mm. or are you a child of God? Exactly. If you and there work is a for difference. him, you expect to be paid by him. And if you work for him, then you are a servant of his. And, and we're you, not servants of God. Well, it depends what you believe, yeah. what it is that you get treated like, perhaps. It's true. You know, if you're a son or a daughter, you know, we, there's the, the story of the prodigal son in the Bible, uh, the son that went away from home. I'm sure that everybody's aware of how that looks and what that no. looks like. And Lots the, of people have no idea what story you're talking about don't they no like like all of the people that have never been in church all those people have had that glorious existence where they've never had to encounter religion so i've created a separation between who i think the audience is and who they aren't i've decided that only people that have knowledge of a bible are listening to us so the story of the prodigal son in the bible is a story of a father with two sons and as they get older one of the sons decides that he's going to go out into the world and experience the world and in doing so he loses all of his money the son that was at home had access to all of what is on tap what is available at home the entirety of his life but had not been celebrating that or been living in the gratefulness of that because that's just your existence when you're there yeah the son that went away and wasted all his money and and lived the life to figure out what it was like to party all of the time and the repercussions, etc., that come with that, returned home and was celebrated, it seems like it's unfair. Exactly. And I think at the bottom of it all, like of all of our conversations about all of the different scenarios that we can find ourselves in, is love. It all comes back to that place. If the, the father, father loved both of his sons the entire time. Exactly. And so much so that he allowed one 
to go off and do whatever he wanted to do yep. and allowed the other one to stay and do exactly. whatever he wanted to do with the complete ability to have access to all of the features of the house. Yeah. And so that comes back to what we were talking about before I told the story of the prodigal son was what you believe your relationship to be with your father, your exactly. heavenly father. And often that relationship starts out as a reflection of your earthly fatherly relationship that you have, you know, and that's often difficult because our earthly fathers are fathering us in the way that they've been taught to father, the way that they've seen fathering done, the way that they've read about how a father should father out of a how to be a father book. Like there is so many different ways. Or just out of just getting on with life. Exactly. Maybe they haven't read any books. Exactly. Maybe they haven't thought about it at all. And exactly. we're functioning out of this system of, you know, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If yeah. you do something that's seen to be bad when you're young, then your dad smacks you because you've done something wrong. And he's teaching you a lesson so that you don't do it again in the future, you know. So we're, we're raised quite a lot like that. And then you start to think when you get time to actually sit and process thoughts about how come I'm functioning like that or should I perhaps be functioning out of a place of the tree of life rather than the tree of the knowledge of good and evil yeah exactly and the tree of life says that there is nothing that you can do for me to love you any more than I already do there's nothing that you can do wrong for me to love you any less than I already do. <laughs> My love for you is the same at all times, no matter what it is that you do. Your access to everything that I have available to you, whether you're at home or not, is the same. You can leave and you can return. You can stay and never leave. And my love for you is exactly the same. If you leave and you throw away all the money that you take with you and you do things that are harmful to others or yourself and you return. I love you just as much as I did before you went away. I'm not going to punish you and tell you you did something wrong because you probably already know that anyway. I'm just going to love you completely. And by loving you completely shows you it doesn't matter whether you stay or you go or what it is that you do. Mm. Nothing changes about the way that I feel about you. You don't have to work for me you mm. don't have to do something for me to yeah. make me love you anymore there's nothing that you have to do because you don't work for me exactly so why is it that when we're in a church environment that some people work for God and get paid and others work for God and don't get paid when we're all actually his children, why are we working for him at all? Well, I just think that it comes back to that place of no separation. And I think we even whilst everywhere, it's, you know, it's not bad to dissect some of these situations and everything. But I think if we just keep on pulling ourselves out that little bit more and we just see all of these places, all of these workplaces, and all of these situations as being not separate from one another, that you can be in any one of those spaces and you can be in the fullness of who you're created to be, engaging with people out of that place of love. Like the universe responds to love. The mathematical formula that is creating a brand new world is 
this timeline called love. And until more and more of us come into this place where we're engaging with the love timeline, that is this beautiful timeline that stretches out in front of each one of us, where we are coming into every space that we go into every single day out of that place of love, then that's when we're starting to see transformation all around us. There are lots of people that have spent their life working, they've built up around them a really solid base of superannuation or they don't need to be going and creating another stream of income to be able to survive. So they have time. They love to go and volunteer their time because they're time rich and time is the thing that they have on their hands. So that it makes sense that they would be giving of their time when you're a time rich person and you're wanting to keep your flow of love going, your timeline of love is on that place where you're giving your time. It's the part that is hard for me to watch is when there are families that are in great need that are actually time poor and they're volunteering their time for no return to then be constantly in this place of lack because at that period of time in their life, they there is this disconnect between where the value is. So each one of my hours when I don't have a lot of time, like I've got a whole family and I've got a lot of different things that need taking care of and everything. So each one of my hours in that space is very valuable because I only have a certain amount of hours and a certain amount of energy to be able to give into these all these different projects. So if I'm wanting to do things with my family and I'm wanting to increase the things that we can be involved in, I'm wanting to create financial opportunities for my children, then wouldn't I want to be able to see how valuable my time is and then receive something in return that then is going to continue to expand my timeline of love where I'm able to be able to flow in that place more and to co-create a different future. And often in those spaces where you don't have a lot of time, co-creating the future for your family is the most valuable space to be co-creating in because you don't have a huge amount of time with your kids and with your family and everything when they're young and when they're small and everything. It's really when you look back over time, a small amount of time that you're investing really it's like the perspective that we're giving one another on life the the opportunity to be able to engage with different adventures and do things and everything so am I not wanting to create some kind of flow in that space where I am opening up the most things that I can engage with in that space instead of constantly beating myself up about not having enough time because my time is given to a whole bunch of projects that I don't actually receive any thing in return for that's building that timeline of love that's stretching out in front of so volunteering giving time working for god all of the discussion that we've already had is also about identity yeah i think it is what it is who it is that you believe you are tommy miller from Ohio, New Philadelphia, Ohio in the US, has written quite a few books. He's a pastor over there at a church. And I sent myself a message about something that he put on the internet. I do that often. Anything that I see that I think is worthy of you know, spending some time reading again, I send to myself. And he wrote this. This is aligned with the conversation that I think around our belief about who it is that we are and therefore why we do the things that we do. When I was talking about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life and 
the prodigal son and the difference between the one that returned and the one that stayed home, they all have layers of discussion that you can have in them that come back to identity, who people believe they are. Tommy Miller says, The Greek understanding of sin is actually a compound of two Greek words, ha, H-A, meaning without or distorted, and meros, the root of morph, which means form. Hameros, or hematia, is a paradigm that is inconsistent with your origin. You were in Christ before the foundation of the world. You were hewn from the same rock. You are as he is. Any belief that doesn't support that is sin. I'll just read that again. You were in Christ before the foundation of the world. You were hewn from the same rock. You are as he is. Any belief that doesn't support that is sin. Oddly enough, sin was caused by the law, not remedied by it. Adam and Eve were made in God's image and confessed to be very good. The moment they were told, if you do this in brackets, eat of the tree, then you'll be like God. They immediately adopted the sin posture that inspired them to strive to become something that they already were. Yeah, It's an identity issue of striving to become something that you already are, yep. not necessarily just action of eating the apple or exactly. doing something that we call wrong. It's an identity crisis of not knowing who you are, striving to do something to become something that you already are. Exactly. Exactly. If, you're, if you're striving by volunteering all of your hours and living in a state of poverty, not being able to pay your bills, is it actually got something to do with who you believe you are as to why you're doing that? Exactly. Worthy of consideration. And are you doing it and you're okay with it because you believe you're being refined, your character is being built, like, you know, you're in this place of like... If I do good things, I'll get good things. Are you doing it for that reason? If you're doing something that is good for the world, you're volunteering your time for a church, etc., that's good. Surely that's good. So therefore, are you expecting by doing that that you will receive something good in return? Mm. You've actually adopted a system of exchange where you believe that by doing good you will receive good that's right so you're doing something for your father to get his attention to show him that you're doing something good so that you can get something good in return to get a reward and you know it comes back to that place again like we've had this conversation in the last couple of weeks with people where my character is being developed like I'm in this hard place I fall short exactly one of the most beautiful parts about being in union with God is understanding that we are powerful to choose like we get to choose the timeline within which we want to be on his promise to us is that he will never leave us. He is on all of the timelines. He's on every day that we choose whatever we're choosing to do. He's there with us on that timeline. He's no, he's not going, oh, no, no, you chose that way. Well, I'll just sit over here and wait until you get back from that little hiatus. Like we're, uh, I'll just be over here. And when you realize the wrong way that you chose like that's not how it works but I think 
we're still in this place of being disempowered in our choices. Even in the mystical space, people are going, yes, yes, we have all this oneness. Yes, yes, where we can govern things and we can be a part of all these different great, amazing, mystical, cosmic things. Yet in our own personal lives, we're removing our power by making choices that are putting us in the situation that we're in and then surrounding that and validating that by saying, well, well, I'm just grateful for the for this and I'm just grateful for that, but I'm actually not realizing that I'm constantly beating myself up and going, well, my character needs more refining. I just have a few more things that I need to let go of. And all of those things might be true, but are they the reason for why you're where you are when the fullness is that we're already in the fullness, that we already are the fullness of Christ within us if we can just turn into that place and recognize what already is you are already who he says you are there's nothing that you have to do you don't you don't have to stay at home in the kingdom of heaven where you have access to all of the riches and not actually do anything with them save them for later exactly and you know how many times have we been reminded that in all of the spaces where we have been enlightened to the fullness of who God is in our lives and what he's leading us into over here or where he's taking us over there, whether it be a conversation with someone, whether it be a an opportunity or an open gateway or something, every single one of those situations requires activation. Every single one of them. They all require you to step over the line, step into something, not that there is any lines because we don't believe in lines. <laughs> We're just in the oneness and the flow. <laughs> Everything requires activation. Like it all requires us to step out in some way. And I had this crazy encounter maybe six or eight weeks ago and we're activating a whole bunch of new things in our life at the moment. And so many of them require us to not just be on this side of the river looking at the promise understanding that the promise is ours already, but actually walking across the water just as Jesus did, knowing who we are and actually stepping into the land within which the promise is held. Don't stay in the old timeline. We can meld timelines, move timelines, let go of that timeline and step into a different timeline. We're so powerful to choose our timelines. And I think, you know, we started this conversation with talking about relationship, talking about our relationship in the way that we have conversations with one another as a husband and wife and as friends, you know, because we're best friends as well. We spend a lot of our time together where we're just fleshing out concepts, thinking about things that are happening. And one of the things that we experienced a couple of years ago was this real knitting together of our individual timelines into this one streamlined timeline where we were moving in this deeper, more expansive and more amazing timeline together. And sometimes that's even, we don't recognize or realize that we're actually on different timelines or we have different parts to play or we don't 
actually always need to be in one another's pocket or me pulling energy out of you to come over here and facilitate things in my timeline, is that actually robbing you of the timeline that stretched out before you? Because some of us have very unique and different timelines, even as couples, that our role, if you were, to is to cheer the other person on, is to be that sounding board, is to be that place. Maybe it's just to be completely a space of difference where that person comes away from what they're engaging with in their timeline of work, perhaps, to just coming into this place of family and that's my place in the timeline is just this expansive place of joy and we get to enjoy one another's time together. And that's the role that we play in each other's timeline is not necessarily so intricately woven into your dream or my dream, but that there's this space that we come together and we enjoy nature or we enjoy holidays or we enjoy family. There's just so many different beautiful spaces that we can be enjoying together. Ministry or not? Are you in ministry or not? Yeah. Is ministry, being in ministry, more important than any other job in the world? If you're in ministry, should you be getting paid or should you be serving, volunteering for free? Because you're in ministry. Exactly. Is what we do as a part of Wildfire Tribe where we're always talking about God and the mysteries of God a ministry? Yeah. Is it a ministry? If it's a ministry, then how do we expect some financial reimbursement for our ministry? And why would we even want it to be a ministry? Is that, again, an identity thing where we feel like, okay, if we have a ministry, then we're just doing this greater work. We're doing the work of the Lord. Why isn't just my expression in whatever I'm doing, in my absolute inness in him, all of it, my whole life is an expression of that, isn't it? We're going to throw in a very big generalization here, Kylie. Let's look at some of the people that are the biggest leaders of the biggest churches in the world. Let's just focus just on the Pentecostal type movement. Those guys that talk about the Lord's favor, etc. It's a generalization. You give and you give and you give. They do all the different messages about giving, about how it's a good thing to give, etc. And they have aeroplanes and houses all around the world and they have lovely looking Instagram accounts etc nice cars nice clothes nice looking people everybody's happy all of the time it's a generalization those people that are up the front teaching you all of those things need a group of people in their building that is only open for a couple of hours a week to participate in the whole show by giving the people that give it's a generalization give and give and give somehow on the whole don't seem to be enjoying the same life as the people that are up the front are we the people in the pews not doing enough of the right thing to become those people up on stage and is there once again some kind of a an understanding that those people on the stage are more godly or, you know, than the people that are going about their lives and doing normal things in society. I've been on the stage. I've been in the pew. I've been both. Yes, you have. I've never got to the point where I've actually been on the stage and got paid to be on the stage. So anything that we talk about when it comes to churches and pay and ministry and not and all of that could be seen to be coming out of a place of I haven't quite got there so I'm bitter. And maybe I am. I don't think that I am but maybe I am. But it 
actually, I feel, entitles me to at least be able to converse about these things that I have been involved in because I have experience in the field. Yeah. We've served and we've served and we've given and we've given and we've been asked to serve more and we've been almost but not quite promised positions in churches where you get to be on the stage but there's never quite been any mention of pay to be there. And even that in itself, that we would set ourselves up for that thought that, oh, the ultimate job will be working in the church and actually getting paid. I remember thinking that way back, like 20 years ago, when I was part of a very big and vibrant church. And that was so many people's goal, was to get on staff in a paid position, because then you're actually getting paid to do the work of God. Like, wow, imagine that you know, that you're actually getting... Oh, but you've got to stay <laughs> humble, Kylie, at the same time. You've got to be doing it, getting paid and be humble. When we have no separation and we come into this beautiful, expansive, wonder-filled revelation that everyone is in, that everyone is included in Christ, that all people are included in Christ in what he did, that we're now on this beautiful plane of love and joy and peace and goodness and righteousness and wonder. And we're all there together at different stages of understanding who we already are. And like you said before, it comes down to this place of identity. So many of us, we have just not known who we are for a really, really long time. And we're the only ones that create that separation. As soon as we come into this place where we think that we know more and that we've got all the answers and all you people out there need to come into this place where you have the revelation that we do in our wisdom and not saying that there isn't different degrees of that all over the earth. Yes, but the only thing that brings people into the revelation of who they are is love. Love, Kylie, love. Love. Like it's that place where your heart explodes in the undeservedness of a frequency that's being extended toward you. And it's not until we receive that love from one another, that little love gate within our own hearts can open and then we can feel that flow from within us. Because it's so crazy, but that the love gate of flow into ourselves from the Father comes from within our own hearts. So it's like it that it starts from within us. Everything that we're looking for out here on the outside is already inside of us. And for so many people, it's just that they've never encountered real, raw, beautiful, wonder-filled love flowing out from a person, the Father's love flowing out from within me, out of my love gate, into my world around me, wherever I am. If I'm just constantly surrounding myself with a whole bunch of people that believe that we are theologically correct, and we're trying to convince the rest of the world that we're theologically correct, (laughs) where's the love? Like, where do we ever get to have that place of encounter with the love of the Father when my main thing is making sure you all understand how wrong you are and how right I am? Yeah, having to be right, having somebody else having to be wrong for you to have to be right 
not being able to converse, not being able to have a discussion where the outcome of the discussion has people landing in different places and still loving each other are some of these issues that we have in spiritual circles where we then need to go our own way. We, we form a new denomination, the East and the West and the North and the South and the right and the wrong and the ones that clap and the ones that wear the tight jeans and the ones that don't, the ones that wear the uniforms and play euphoniums and rattle tambourines. You know, there's all these different flavours who have all decided that there's lines in between that we need to be on opposite sides of. As you read through Facebook, etc., you see in the Christian circles that there's always a line. It doesn't matter what is posted. I just saw something from a friend of mine in the US who's actually posted a meme which is basically having a laugh about the fact that memes are a Christian spiritual gift. And even in the thread of that, which is actually intended to be something to just laugh at, there's people taking sides. (laughs) As to whether a meme is able to be used for ministry. Yeah. Because ministry can sometimes be really serious. Yeah. Or not. We can't seem to agree between ourselves are people of love Mm. that everything is okay if we don't agree that we can still love each other and still do life next door to each other that we can still live next door to somebody that believes that the world is going to end in six months when you believe that it's never going to end we can't associate with each other because of a line in the sand we keep coming into that place where we're in that space of shalom as well because it's like that place where there is no chaos that we can always be in that revelation of the constancy of his love in that flow because if we're coming out of a place of forcefulness that's not the right energy if we're trying to make things happen it's not the right energy it's like this beautiful place where we are in fact making the wilderness bloom like we're coming into this space of beautiful flow that's watering the world around us with the frequencies of love and goodness and life and we do that everywhere we go we it's like this coming back into this place of absolute heart coherence where the negative energies they can't even touch us we're not associated with the frequency of chaos those things don't even come into our realm and people that are functioning in that space they either are completely repelled and just stay out of your way or it draws out of people this beautiful place of life this beautiful place that's shaping up within somebody the potential of who they can be and then through that illumination within the love that is flowing from us they can begin to see who they already are and that there's something just beautiful beautiful it's like it's not just all about God he has created us and the little house living letter the bait. It's like this little house and it's got a missing part. One part of it, the fourth part, is actually not even built yet. And it's because there's this place of co-creation that we're in the wonder with him, that we're in this place where our foundation is in him. Like we're living out of this place of shalom, out of this place of peace, joy and righteousness. And out of that place flows this river of revelation of what already is. It's this beautiful place where we 
we're co-creating a divine and wonderful future. So when you're talking about the living letter, you're talking about a Hebrew letter, yes? Yes, a Hebrew letter. I know that, but you didn't explain that. Yeah, and that's so good to pick me up on that because, yeah, like there is all these things that are entwined into our language that have got multiple layers of understanding underneath each one of them. And that's the mystery that we can dive in as individuals with him. Yeah, the Bible was written in Hebrew and in Greek as well and has been translated into many other languages and variations. So it's good to be able to explore the variations as well and the original language and how that was translated. That's all part of the mystery of God, you know, trying to understand the layers of teaching within a Bible as well. You know, we were talking about the prodigal son, etc. before, and my version of the story is a simplified Sean version of it. And it's a version that worked to help explain just the topic that we were talking about today. That doesn't mean that the story of the prodigal son in the Bible doesn't have way, 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 way more many variations <laughs> of understanding within it. Because that is the whole point, is that a Hebrew letter can have many meanings. A Hebrew letter put together with another one can have many meanings. And you can do that kind of study as well. And there's a study associated with numbers, associated with letters as well. There's many, many conversations and depths of understanding around Scripture. And it's a never-ending discussion of mystery. And he is the mystery. The one who created it all is the mystery of it all, which gives us the ability to decide right from the very beginning that actually there is no line. There's no line where I stand firmly on this side of the line and I believe this one thing and anybody on the other side, I'm not with those people. I am against them because every part of scripture, everything that we've ever discussed on this podcast, anything that we discuss in our regular existence as we go about life to do with the mystery of God has so many different layers of understanding. How can you stand firm on anything? Exactly. Except for him, the firm foundation. (laughs) Peace, joy and righteousness. It's like all the depths of even like all of the miracles that we've understood to be miracles in all of the different ways that there are miracles, all the ones that we hear about in our actual lives, the different things that happen in the Bible, the different things that people share in different writings and people have miracles that are not necessarily even completely professing God people you know there are things that happen in our lives that are unexplainable and we can only call them miracles Jesus walking on the water there is these waveforms there's this understanding that all of these different things are multi-dimensional and we are only often seeing things in a very tiny little window of understanding and that there's always beyond that all of these dimensions of completion, of wonder. (laughs) It's just crazy. So if you are looking for some more topics, you've come across us recently, Wildfire Tribe. We have more than 50 podcasts on our Wildfire Tribe station. 
It's like a radio station, I guess. You can find us on iTunes and Spotify and pretty much all of the diverse range of podcast platforms across the world. Wildfire Tribe, we are having real conversations about mystical things. If you're wanting to jump on and check out the plethora of creativity that we also encourage in this space, we are artists and musicians as well. Um, Sean is now a stand-up comedian too, which is, he always has been, but he's... I'm sitting down. He's, um... He's formalizing this. I'm a sitting down stand-up comedian. (laughs) He sometimes stands and sometimes sits. And sometimes I walk places and drive and ride motorbikes as well. Sometimes I paint and draw. One thing I I don't do that I have not found myself doing recently is cartwheeling. Cartwheeling. I'd like to see you do a cartwheel. I reckon you do one of those kind of odd ones where your legs are like a little bit bent. Or backflips. (laughs) Backflips. Somersaults even. Yeah. (laughs) A somersaulting comedian. I love it. That is so funny. Yeah, so jump on board. Well, wildfiretribe.life, we've got a lot of information there if you want to just connect with us. That is awesome. And we are just cheering you on wherever you are in your walk. So we thank you so much for listening to us today on Wildfire Tribe. Our website is wildfiretribe.life, as Kylie has just muddled right through. We also have a an app attached to our website called Patreon. If you'd like to support some of what we're in, involved in then you can do that via that app if you wish to have a look at some of our artwork etc you will find it on wildfiretribe.life we have instagram facebook tiktok all of those things and some of them we use more than others but we're certainly working on moving towards being very active in all of those places so please join in the fun join in the discussion let us know what you think about the podcast, future topics that you would like to have discussed. We would love to know because our intent is to just continue to expand and get better and better and offer more and more and have more and more fun and be more and more creative. Yeah, definitely. It says in Luke 17, it's not out there. It is within you. The kingdom is within you. It's all around you. Christ, the identity is within us. So everything that we're looking for, I encourage you this week to go within, to just journey this mystery because the answers are actually in this beautiful place of connection with your creator. And we know in our own personal walks that he is more than enough to illuminate us on our journey into the expansiveness that is everything that we would need to know for the timelines that we get to choose There's what we want to be on. nothing that you have to do to make him love you any more than he already does. Exactly. Thank you for listening to us on Wildfire Tribe. It's been a pleasure to have you with us. And yep. we will talk to you next time. Have fun, guys. Bye. Bye.